Hello and welcome back to How to PhD Season 2, Episode 2. This week we're going to be talking about journal keywords and how to get the marketing of your paper just right. Hello and welcome back to the show. It's wonderful to talk to you all again. My name is Aaron and it's another solo episode from me. I'm hoping that our recording, so Julia's, as I said, in the first episode away, traveling. So I'm hoping by the time we get to episode five, we'll be back. But actually we record these episodes within an hour of each other. So they're batch recorded. So I'm hoping uh, once this first batch is done, Julia will be back and I will have some support on the other end of the table for these episodes. But we're here, uh, so let's kick things off. And today we're talking about journal keywords and marketing. Now, I think, uh, to be honest, this is one of the things that I think I paid the least amount of attention to. Um, and actually, I've learned that it's really important. And the reason why, if you just, you know, just think for a second about websites, about Instagram posts and, and Twitter posts and everything that happens online, um, in the end, it all comes down to keywords and searchability, right? So if we zoom back, say, 30, 40 years when journals were effectively paper journals that people subscribed to and it came in the post, then I guess you had a sort of captive audience. So it didn't really matter so much what your keywords were. Uh, But now, basically, we find all of our papers online now, right? It's on Scholar, It's on Google, it's on all these databases which are effectively using keywords to present you with the papers. And so discoverability becomes really important. And the keywords are essentially the driver of your paper's discoverability. So it's actually really important these days to put a little bit of effort into finding the right keywords and particularly knowing where to place them on the paper. And this is what we're going to be talking about today. And so I think I'm really excited about this episode because. To be honest, this is something that I only found out quite recently, all these little tricks. And hopefully uh, the stuff I'll talk about today will give you that little bit of an extra edge to get your paper seen by more people, which in the end will increase your chance of getting citations, which is which is what we're, you know, the main metric of a journal's success or journal paper success is, of course, the results. You know, you want to be doing good research, but also the number of citations it gets is a big, big thing in academia. Um, so we want to try and optimize that as much as possible. So let's get started. And actually, as with all things in academia, it begins with a little bit of research. So let's talk about finding those journal keywords. Now, often when I sort of thought about this, I kind of looked at my topic area and I thought, okay, what what are, what are my fields, right? And I would look at things like automated vehicles. So the keywords I would choose would be things like automated vehicles or electric vehicles, human factors, user research. And then maybe I might add in some of the methodology. So eye tracking or uh, interview study. And I would look at that and go, oh yeah, that's a, that's a great set of keywords and, and put it into the keyword section on the paper, right? So often journals will ask you for five or six keywords and I would just put them in there and that would be it, you know. But actually, you know, when you think about it and, you know, some of you who might be, you know, well versed in the inner workings of Instagram and, and different uh, social media platforms will know that um, a lot of those keywords that I just said are kind of what you'd call really big ticket, high volume keywords. And so what this means is effectively think of the amount of papers articles and content which will be using those keywords like automated vehicles or even electric vehicles right how many hundreds of thousands 
of articles. I, I don't even know if that's the right ballpark, right? There could be, there's gigabytes of content, um, potentially every minute going into those keywords. And so your contribution, your paper, which you're trying to get discover, discovered, is like a little drop in the ocean compared to the sheer volume of stuff going into that keyword. And so when it comes to things like Google and different databases, then, you know, your work will be relatively low ranked because, you know, it will have just disappeared into this effectively tidal wave of content. So it's a good system. It's good because it positions your work in a particular area. But, you know, we need to then think about, okay, what other keywords can we use to make our work more discoverable to people who are looking for our specific thing. So we need that mix of really big keywords, but also ones which are a little bit more specific. And there are different ways we can get to this. So one thing you can do is use Google Scholar and you can type in your area and you can see what comes up in the autocomplete section. So this is a really useful thing. So you can type in, um, so you can type in your general area. So let's say, again, let's take my eye tracking automated vehicle study. So I could say um, uh, eye tracking uh, or automated vehicles eye tracking and see what the suggestions are. So that's quite specific. So maybe I want to, maybe if I don't find a lot, I could then take that back and just put automated vehicles and see what the autocomplete suggestions are. And you can also do that on Google as well. If you're doing lab-based work, if you're doing anything, type in your area and that shows you effectively what other people are searching about your area. And you can begin to get a feel for what is the kind of zeitgeist at the moment, right? What's the kind of feeling of what people want to know about that particular area? And this begins to help you specify the area or the keywords that you're going to use. Another fantastic website, which I just discovered recently, is called Answer the Public. So it all in one word. Uh, and if you Google Answer the Public, it should come up. But this is really great because this shows you the questions that people are asking in your field. And it effectively presents you with a mind map. Um, and it starts this mind map or it groups this mind map based on different questions like who, uh, will, where, why, which. Um, so we're going to do it live. So I just typed in into answer the public. I typed in automated vehicles and I'm looking at it now. So now it's generated this uh, mind map. And so it's given me all these different questions, which, you know, are what people are searching for. So for example, you know, automated vehicles, how automated vehicles work, um, how automated vehicles will change the world, uh, will automated vehicles make driving safer, um, let's see another one. Uh, so where, what is automated vehicle fitness testing, for example? Um, and there's hundreds here. So there's uh, 69 questions, but you can also uh, filter that by propositions, by comparisons. So to read you a comparison. Um, so for example, automated vehicles and electrification of transport. So clearly there's a lot of people who are interested between automated vehicles and the kind of electrification of vehicles, right? Um, here's another one, automated vehicles versus human drivers. So this is great. And you can also organize it by alphabetical stuff. So I'd really highly encourage you to get on Answer the Public and have a look at what is actually on there for your area. And it's actually really fascinating to get a feel for what are people interested about your topic. And so again, when you, when you look at these, you can then really begin to get a feeling for what is being searched for. Um, and crucially, that will help, again, begin to guide your keywords into more specific areas. So 
Now, answer the public and Google Scholar, you know, both of these kind of tricks work best if you're starting with like two or three words. So, you know, automated vehicles, electric vehicles. Um, I'm going to say something which is completely out of my field, but say man-made polymers or something. And then you material uh, chemists will be like, you know, head in hands at, at that. But, um, you know, there's different things that you can do. And so they really works well when you use two or three keywords. Um, and if nothing comes up at all, then that's a good indication that you need to broaden the search and kind of what you're using as a title. So, you know, as I said at the beginning, um, while you want to avoid get generating keywords which are massively broad on the other side you also want to avoid generating keywords which are too specific um, and if you get no results on answer the public or no results in the google autocomplete suggestion to begin to give you some some uh, inspiration for the keywords then that's a good suggestion that actually you're looking a little bit too specific and you just need to broaden it out a little bit so once you have all these different questions so you know you've got your google autocomplete and you've got your answer the public ones and you what i would highly recommend is you open up a word document or a excel spreadsheet or even just a bit of scrap of paper and write down the questions or the autocomplete suggestions that you feel uh, are the most interesting and sort of the most relevant to your research right so begin to list them out and really feel free to list as many as you feel you need right so go ahead list them out and then begin to look at this list and kind of think okay which ones of these can i begin to identify keywords so i can see on this list that uh, are automated vehicles safe right so i've got automated vehicles which is the big topic area but then there's safe as well which in combination with automated vehicles makes quite a specific keyword which is quite good so safety seems to be something that people are concerned concerned about and if i'm looking at that uh, study that i was doing about information requirements and um, kind of how people use information when the car is self-driving well actually safety is a big part of that and that's something which in my entire work i didn't really consider it as a safety project i sort of was focusing on what i actually did but actually in the end it has an implication for safety um and so there right there is this kind of keyword that we've discovered through this process of seeing what people are are searching for um so look at all these words rank them up so begin to just think about what's most relevant um you know maybe give it a score out of 10 or just simply reorder them in your list um and another way to sort of begin to prioritize these keywords or kind of sentences that you've got from these different sources is to go to the journal that you're hoping to submit to. So if you have an idea of the kind of journal that you're going to submit to, then great. If you don't, then, you know, go and have a look. We do have an episode, I believe, on searching for journals. But if not, you know, just look at your reference list or kind of is there a journal that you frequently reference from have a look at them and sort of see what are the kinds of titles that are published there and look at their aims and scope as well right so what's in their aims uh, the scope is usually very detailed for different journals and that will tell you exactly what the journal is looking for so really good sources again to begin to narrow this list down and take it down to perhaps maybe 
10, 15 different uh, keywords, or if, if it's less, even better. Um, and again, just whittle them down and begin. And I think what you'll have at the end is you'll begin to see this list of topics which potentially you just never really associated with yours, but actually will really massively help the discoverability of your paper, uh, which is really great. And so a lot of these I've started using recently, and I think it's one... I think it's really interesting, especially using a tool like Scholar or uh, Answer the Public, because you begin to see, wow, you know, there's a there's a world out there which is searching for your topic, which I think is quite a nice feeling. And it makes you feel the kind of the weight and the kind of impact that you're having with your work, which I think is, is always great. And two, of course, is going to ultimately help the discoverability. But the question now is once you've got these keywords and once you've got these different sentences and you know kind of what people are searching for and you know what kinds of words you need to include in your paper, um, it turns out the keyword list on the journal paper is not the best place to put it. And so that's what we're going to talk about next. So let's talk about using those keywords now. This Thing that I'm about to tell you I think really blew my mind because it seems so obvious but actually um, it's it's for some reason I just never recognize this and it's the simple fact that that little section in the journal submission page or on your paper where they say hey list some list five to ten keywords and I would diligently put in my keywords into this box or um, they usually ask for it below the abstract is actually not a great place to put keywords. Um, and again, this goes back to the old school journals who used to be actual paper things, right? Paper magazines and journals, which people would read. And so then it would have some kind of benefit. But actually now in this age of how Google trawls the internet and you know pulls out keywords, it's actually the title and the abstract, which are the most effective places to ensure that your keywords are there. Now, kind of makes absolute logical sense because again when you search in scholar or science direct or wherever you go what is the first thing you see it's the title and then you usually get a maybe four five line snippet of the abstract and and that's it there there is no real keyword section and so this was i was so blown away when i realized this but it's again hidden in plain sight the fact that actually that a title and the abstract are the most effective places to put those keywords so Let's get that list that you worked on and try and find ways to incorporate it into the title and the abstract without forcing it in, right? So this is not to say the keyword section is bad, you know, definitely, you know, put those keywords in there um, and try and, again, keeping in, keeping those thoughts around what are the big ticket keywords and what are the smaller ones putting them in there and use that section by all means. Uh, but think about different titles where you can begin to identify, okay, I want to make sure that these two or three keywords are in the title. Um, and again, you want to pick out maybe one or two big ticket keywords, which you know are the main things in your area, and then one keyword which will specify a bit more into that title. Um, and so th with the title, this is a, it's a bit of an art form, right? And there are different types of titles. And, and these are different ways that hopefully, you know, one of these three types of titles might inspire you in a way to find a way to fit that keyword into the title. So you have the kind of declarative titles. And so these are ones which really clearly state the findings. So for example, let's go back to my own study, which was information requirements in, in the automated vehicles. 
And so I could have a title which said, um, providing information rich displays inside an automated vehicle can improve the use and safety of its operation. So it's like super, like this is what the result is. Now those kinds of titles are pretty rare. I, I don't, at least in my field, I rarely see that, um, but it can be quite good. Uh, you know, perhaps the example I gave could be optimized a little bit better because you can have a little bit of the methodology in there. So you could say, uh, driving simulator eye tracking study showed that information displays in automated vehicles is crucial. Now that's, it's really long, it's a mouthful, and you can begin to see that declarative titles are a little bit clunky and quite difficult to use. So, but it's one option and if it works for you and if you can find a way to incorporate those keywords, it might be a good option and might give you that little bit of a spark to inspire you with a title. Um, the second one is descriptive and this is the one that I typically use. So these are ones which effectively say what you did but doesn't really share anything in the way of the results. So for example, uh, for the same study, you could say um, an eye tracking study um, into the information needs of automated vehicles, right? Or an interview study guiding, uh, an interview study into what people, uh, people's perceptions of electric vehicles. So this would be a, 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 you know, it's very descriptive. It's kind of telling you what you did, but again, it's not really telling you anything about what actually you found out. And again, it's it's an effective, it's, I think this is what most journal titles are. It's a solid way. And again, if you make sure that you can build those keywords into it, it's a great way of creating a title. Uh, and then the third one that typically is there is ones which are called more interrogative titles. Um, and so these which are ones which sort of pose it as a question. So again, let's take the same vehicle study example. Um, do in-vehicle displays uh, affect the usage of automated vehicles? Um, and again, or affect the safety of automated vehicles, right? Taking that safety keyword. Um, and this is again, it's posing it as a question. It's um, it kind of inspires perhaps a little bit more engagement with the paper because if you can ask a really interesting question, then you know potentially uh, you might inspire that person to actually think, oh, you know, I, I do want to find out the answer to this. Um, so that I quite like question titles now, and I think it's quite a nice way of doing it. And you could potentially combine some of these title types. So you could start with a question and then you can do what I call a, a double barrel title. So you can have that question and then you can have a little bit of description. So you can have say, um, do in-vehicle displays increase safety of automated vehicles? Question mark, um, a eye tracking driving simulator study. And that's a double barrel surname. It surname, title, journal title. Um, it's a double barrel journal title and you get an opportunity to really build in plenty of keywords without making the title a little bit lengthy. And so by having that little bit of a pause in between in the middle of the title, you just break it up and just give it, give yourself a chance to actually have a little bit of a longer title. Now, generally the rule is you want to avoid having long titles because they end up being a mouthful and you know, there's usually some kind of limit on the title length, but having a double barreled one at least might give you that opportunity to make it more readable anyway. So it's worth keeping keeping that in mind. Um, so build in those keywords into the title. And then of course, you've got the abstract as well. Now the abstract is of course longer, you usually have what, 
150, 200, 300 words for your abstract, uh, depending on the journal. And so it gives you plenty of opportunity to build in potentially some of those other ones, which are not as high priority as you've identified to go into the title, but definitely is worth having. And the abstract is a place where you can begin to think about how you can incorporate those keywords into there. And of course, you have a lot of flexibility simply because you have more words there. Um, and look, you know, it, it's a good, you know, and, and then of course you have that keyword section. It's a good idea to try and avoid duplicating what's in the keyword section with what's in your title and abstract. Um, so again, it's an opportunity to look at that list you created and think, okay, are there any which I haven't used in either the title and the abstract, which I can just throw into the keyword section. Um, and again, I think your priority should be get those keywords into the title and abstract. Um, and then that keyword section can be for those which, you know, you don't want to let it go. Um, they're still useful, but you know, they're not as high priority. So that's how you can find keywords and uh, for your journal and, and know where to place them. And of course, this also applies to conference papers as well. Um, and also any type of work that you're doing, really. It's if you're writing a uh, an article for a trade magazine or perhaps The Conversation, which uh, is a good, you know, science-based magazine, uh, online magazine, or anything, any article, anything you're doing, just have a think about, actually, how do I improve the discoverability of my work? And again, this can be used in presentations as well. So this could help you optimize the title of your presentations, optimize some of the things that you say, uh, and it really gets you into the mindset of how can I create that hook uh, to get people interested and to bring people into my research and, and engage them with it, um, which is always a good thing. So hopefully uh, you found these tips useful and helpful. Well, thank you so much for listening to How to PhD. I was really excited actually to get this episode done because when, especially when I was planning this season with Julia, I think this was the one that I think I was most excited about because a lot of these things I only found out in the last year. So it was it's really great to get this out and hopefully you can use these tips to, to really improve the discoverability of your work. If you know of someone who you think could benefit from knowing about how to find journal keywords and knowing where to place them, then please do share this episode with them, uh, share the show with them. And of course, if you enjoy listening to How to PhD and you'd like to support that, support us, you can leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. And I've been told that Spotify now supports podcast reviews. So if you can get on Spotify, uh, on the Spotify app or on desktop uh, and go ahead and leave a review over there as well, that would be hugely, hugely appreciated. Um, and of course, you can visit our website at howtophd.show, which by the way, has been completely redesigned with a new show notes section um, and much easier access to the all, all the resources that we talk about. Um, you can find it all on howtophd.show uh, and you can also find a link to our buy me a coffee page and leave a small donation to support us again huge thank you to everyone who's continued to support the show uh, especially during these difficult times um, and we really appreciate every penny that comes our way and we're incredibly grateful for the support and love that we get over over on the reviews and in comments and also on buy me a coffee so thank you very much to everyone who supported us in any way that you can 
do get in touch. We love to hear from you. Contact at howtophd.show is the show's email address. One-to-one at howtophd.show if you're interested in signing up for a free half an hour one-to-one session with us about anything you want. Um, and Twitter and Instagram at howtophdshow are the show handles. And please do keep the comments coming. Uh, we love to read everything that you guys send us. And we really do try and respond to everyone who messages us. So thank you for that. Next week, we are continuing the theme of journal publication, and we're going to be talking, it's a little bit vague, this title, but it's the hidden secrets of journal publishing. So talking about different things like H indexes and impact factor, which again, just like keywords, you can work to your advantage. So thank you again for listening to the show, and we will see you all next time. Bye.